0: I was uh, silly enough this morning to go out for a run, I got up early to prepare and when I finished preparing I said to Helen I just want to go and clear my head, I'm going to go for a run and so I I left my front door and for the first time this winter everything was white, the pavement was white, the cars had thick frost on them and so I made my way down through the park, everything was white, the leaves were white, the uh, grass was frosted over and got down to the canal. And um, for the first time that I've been in in the UK in the last eight years, part of the canal was frozen. It was making this wonderful wonderful tinkling sound. And uh, the sun was coming up. Just the amazing, amazing orange color in the sky. And I just found myself trying to sing. (laughs) I say trying to sing because I I, I can't lie to you. It wasn't exactly, um, you know... Wonderful athletic thing to see, but I was like, Thank you, God, that I'm alive. Thank you, God, for this pain in my lungs. Thank you, God. I was worshiping as best as I could. And I really just just thank God from the bottom of my heart for being alive, for being able to be here, for being able to minister here in this country and the wonderful things that God is doing. It's a wonderful thing. God is good, eh? And so uh, I teased some of my mates this morning. Said, "Well, it was only, it's a balmy four degrees today. Every time I left my home this week, it was minus four, and this morning when we got in our car to drive here, it was at least positive. <laughs> this is a good thing." So, Psalm eighty-four. Psalm eighty-four. This is the third part in a little series I've been doing called "Going from Strength to Strength." And if you haven't been around in the last couple of weeks, please go online and listen to the messages. Psalm eighty-four, because this is the third part. Of this little series. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallows a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And like I said, some translations have said, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. That's a different translation for that little phrase. As they go through the valley of weeping or backer, they make it a place of springs. The early rains cover it with pools and they go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Now, I felt God give this to me at the end of last year as a word for us as a church for this year. That this year, what's going to be a year is going to be a year of us going from strength to strength. In every area, going from strength to strength. And that's what we are praying for. That's what we are trusting for. That's what we are, by the power of the Spirit, we're saying, God, we wanted this to be a year of going from strength to strength. And I'm just asking you up front, if you'd pray for us on Saturday... We're spending the whole day together, the elders and some other people on the leadership team, just to seek God for the year, to plan, to strategize, and I really trust that you would hold us up in prayer this weekend as we get together, because we want this to be a year of going from strength to strength in every area. Amen? And so, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I have looked at a number of things, and I just want to summarize some of those things. We looked firstly at the promise that this scripture holds. That we get stronger as we go forward, and as the journey continues, we get stronger and stronger. For those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, there's this wonderful sense that as we go forward, we don't get weaker, but we get stronger. And we looked at that in the first week. And last week, I spent a little bit of time looking at Romans chapter 15, verse 13, which says this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And what I said last week is that we can go from strength to strength because we are filled with hope. Hope that comes from Jesus Christ for what He's done in us by the power of His blood. That's why we we should be a hope-filled community. Not hoping in our own strength, but hoping because of what Jesus has done by the power of His Spirit in us. And we had a look also at that wonderful scripture in Joshua 23, verse 14, which I am going to read for you. Sorry, this is ringing here. Can someone help me? Just with the sound, please. Thank you. It says this, Joshua, at the end of his life, he says this, I'm now about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Not one of them has failed. And I said to you last week that that was, for me, just an amazing assurance to each one of us. As we walk faithfully with Him, He speaks destiny over our lives, and He calls us to walk in the fullness of all that He has promised. And I asked you last week, I'm asking you again, to remind yourself of all the prophetic promises that God has spoken over you and given for your life and for your family and for this church. And we use them as a sword, ultimately. We use them as a sword to fight the good fight and to stand confidence, confidently. We do that because we can. we have been promised amazing things by our Father in heaven. And then we looked at Romans 5 last week, which says this, verse, uh, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have and also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produce pers- in- endurance, and endurance produces, produces character, and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen? So we reminded ourselves last week that we can go from strength to strength because of what Jesus has done, and the things that we have to walk through, those things build character in us, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. And then lastly, I finished last week by just saying, we can be confident and full of hope for the year because ultimately we are held in the hands of the sovereign king of the universe. Amen? And we had a look at Isaiah 48, which says this, verse 12. Listen to me, Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth. And my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Wonderful, wonderful scripture. And that's our Father in heaven. That's, that's the one that the Bible describes. Uh, that's the, our Father whom the Bible says the nations to him are simply a drop in the bucket. <laughs> Just a drop in the bucket. And all the dust contained on the earth is weighed in his balances. It uses those wonderful images. And God's hand is larger than the expanse of all of space and which is countless of billions of light years across. We don't even know how big the universe is. And what is more amazing than all of that is that this amazing God has created everything. This, this God that holds everything in, this, in the palm of His hand, the span of His hand. He came and He was uh, born as a child and He lived with us. And he died and he rose again and he is intensely interested with your life and he's intensely interested in my life. What a wonder that is. And so we have hundreds of promises in the word. We have hundreds of assurances in the word, hundreds of tokens of his care for us. He's never failed us. He's, never, he's the boundless God. He's generous in every way and His hands are big enough to span all of eternity and time and yet He has you and me in the palm of His hand. And I asked you last week, I said, can, you, can, can we together just learn about the wonder of Him holding us like that? Just resting in that amazing place with the sovereign King of the universe holding us in the palm of His hand. That should bring confidence it should bring reassurance, it should bring hope into every single heart, every single life, every single family. And so this morning, my friends, what I'd like to do is use that image of the hands of God and just speak five simple little pictures of what I feel like God wants to do with us and that's why we can be confident that we're going to go from strength to strength. I want to use five little images this morning and if I can ask you to go please, first of all, to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. you with me this morning? I know it's cold, but it's not as cold as it once was, so that's that's a good thing. Isaiah 49, the first four verses. Listen to me, coastlands, and give attention, you people from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, "You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified." The first thing I want to say to you this morning out of that scripture is that we can go from strength to strength this year because God's hands overshadow us. God's hands overshadow us he says here that from the womb he called us he made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand he hid me and he made me into a polished arrow I don't know about you but sometimes there can be periods of our lives where we think that God's forgotten about us he's using everybody else but he's not using me the curse of comparison all right He's using everybody else for his plans and his purposes, but he's not using me. And if we give into our self-talk for long enough, we begin to feel that there's nothing that God can do with us or use us for in the kingdom. If we give into that negative self-talk. And we can start to feel shackled by daily things, including the daily plot of just living our lives. From day to day. Walking by grace. Walking by faith. And I want to say to you this morning, God wants to change our thinking. He wants to whisper in every single ear this morning that He's keeping you in the shadow of His hand. That he is, you are like an arrow being polished, being prepared, being made ready. And for some of us, it is just a case of time. Sometimes we want God to send us out, but it's in our timing, and it can be pre- premature. And the arrow is not going to hit the mark if it's fired prematurely. It needs to be prepared. It's it needs to be polished. And when it's ready, God puts it in the bow, and He says, my son, hit the target, and He releases us. And we, we move into the fullness of what He has for us, and we hit the bullseye, and it's very, very effective. And I want to encourage every single one of you that as we face this year, that we would submit to the the process of God in our lives, particularly in terms of timing in our lives. Amen? I want everybody to move into everything that God has for them this year. That's the desire of our heart as a leadership team. We We want God to release us into the fullness of what He has. But can I remind you that it is by faith and patience that we inherit the promises? And He is preparing every one of us He's fashioning every one of us into those arrows that are going to be most effective and they're going to hit the mark when we are released at the right time. And so I'm encouraging this morning, let's not run ahead of God, let's not lag behind, let's walk by the Spirit this year in a radical way and when God puts us in, we rejoice and we are released. And when we see one arrow hit the target, we don't sulk and say, I'm not that arrow, I wish it was me, what's happening to me, what's happening to me? No, we rejoice when when an arrow hits the mark. And we allow God to prepare ourselves and continue to prepare us us, so when it's our turn, everybody else is going to rejoice when we hit the mark. Amen. I think it was Pete Hard Brown that said years ago that uh, when the Brazilians won the World Cup for whatever, the third time or whatever, they they asked uh, the the, the coach, said, uh, you know, how did you guys play so well? He said, we played happy football. We played happy football. When you're happy, when there's a band of brothers together, when we are rejoicing in what God is doing, and we're rejoicing when everyone, we see people do what God has called them to do, and the the arrow hits the target, it's happy football, and you know what? The whole team wins together. Amen. It'll be a happy year, playing happy football together, a band of brothers called together, that we can hit the mark, every single one of us, in terms of what God calls us to. All right, we can go from strength to strength because we are overshadowed by the hands of God. Second thing, a wonderful picture in 1 Kings 18. Please go there. 1 Kings 18, verse 41 to 46. I'm just going to pick on one verse. You can uh, read it in your own time, just for the sake of time. But there's a wonderful portion right towards the end which says, and there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea when Elijah prays. And there's this wonderful image. He prays seven times. And you know the story well. God's people had strayed from him. They were worshipping like heathens in the the nation. And the nation was ruled by Ahab, who was an evil king. And unfortunately, his wife Jezebel was wickeder than him. And uh, these two were responsible for the state of the nation. And God caused a famine, which we know happened for three years. And because of the lack of, of, of rain, there was suffering came, on the, came upon the people. And so Elijah calls the people together at Mount Carmel, and he denounces the worship of Baal. He says, Baal is not the only true God, and he challenges the prophets of Baal to this amazing contest, and they build this uh, altar, and he puts a sacrifice on the altar, and you know the story. The prophets of Baal, they, they run around the, the, the sacrifice, they cut themselves, they shout, they scream, and calling on on, um, Baal to come and ignite the sacrifice and uh, Elijah pours water on it. (laughs) He pours water on it and he douses the whole thing of water and then he just prays. He says, God, just to show that you are the God of the universe, I pray to you now that you're the living God. And it says, fire falls from heaven and consumes not only the, the sacrifice but the altar and everything. And he says to the people, now you see who the true God is, what an amazing imagine, imagine that kind of, that's like a Steven Spielberg movie, I mean that's just like incredible sorry, I'm making a funny noise thank you Ann McKellar. So it's a friend I do have some friends, he's one of them but unfortunately he's texting me now and so at the end of the story you know the story well uh, Elijah turns to Ahab and he says go home As rain is on the way, and he starts to pray. It says he kneels down, and he prays seven times. And it does begin to rain, but it doesn't start to rain immediately. But there's this image of a cloud as small as a man's head that appears on the horizon. And eventually it does begin to pour with rain, and it douses everything, this wonderful rain that falls from heaven. And I want to say to you, my friends, as we look at this year, I believe we are beginning to see the rain clouds come. We are beginning to see the rain clouds come. And they might seem small like a man's hand. They might seem distant on the horizon, but God is beginning to move. God is beginning to bring salvation. We are see people regularly coming to Christ. God is restoring marriages. God is bringing healing. God, the kingdom is coming in the midst of economic trouble and things that surround. God is bringing His kingdom. And we are starting to see the rain clouds form. I want to remind you, again, of that prophecy of Smith Wigglesworth that I read a while back. And the expectation of my heart for this year is that we are going to see powerful ministry of the Word and powerful ministry by the Spirit, and we are going to see those things come together. That is my expectation. That is part of the new that we have to trust for. That the Word and the Spirit are going to come together in power and release something that we have not seen or lived in yet. I trust that with all of my heart. That's what I, I want to pray for. And together with you, we want to see that come into the life of this church. And we want to trust that God, trust God, that we will see that in an ever increasing way this year. We can confidently go from strength to strength with that reality and that knowledge in our heart that God's hands are busy. It's the hand of God is beginning to move. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, Isaiah 40. Five points. And then we're going to enjoy God together as we worship and we're going to trust for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to every one of you. Thirdly, we can go from strength to strength because God's hands are forgiving hands. Amen. God's hands are forgiving hands. Isaiah 40 says this, the first nine verses. I'm not going to read it all, but it says, Comfort my people, says your God, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double. Now, for me, I find that puzzling, that it says, we've received double from the Lord for all our sins. What does that mean? And I, as I was reading and uh, preparing for this, there's this is wonderful little gem that, we, uh, that I discovered. It means, what does it mean to receive double for your sins? Well, why was Isaiah so thrilled about that? Because in those days, if you were in debt and you couldn't repay your debt, what they would do is they'd take a little parchment, they'd write how much they owed on the parchment, and they'd pin it to the outside of the tent. They'd put it to the outside of the tent and they would hope that some rich, uh, wealthy person who had a heart to see them set free from their debt would come past and notice the parchment on the tent. And if such a person did come and feel sorry and say, I have compassion for this person, I want to help them with their debt, he would take the piece of parchment, he would fold it double on itself like a piece of paper, It's folded double and he'd put it back on the outside of the tent. And that would signify to those that were in debt that there was a benefactor that was going to deal, was going to deal with their debt completely. And that's called receiving the double. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Receiving the double. And that's why Isaiah says, he says, God has paid double for all your sins. It's referring to that tradition. And it's echoed in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, and it's not just for Israel, it was for all of mankind. Paul writes and he says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ Jesus. Amen. They nailed to the cross. And through the death of Jesus, we have received the double. Every debt dealt with. Every debt removed. Oh man, that's good news. And I want to say to you, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know the reality of that in your life, we would love to pray with you this morning. And the, the greatest privilege we could ever have would be to introduce you to Jesus and to, and to uh, let you start this wonderful journey of walking with Him, the only true God. And we're going to give opportunity to pray later that you would receive that total forgiveness, receive the double in your life. Amen. Fourthly, Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 6, says this. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my word. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in his hands. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to do. And then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? We can go from strength to strength this year, because God's hands are molding hands. God's hands are molding hands. You see, the the thing about clay is that clay is inexpensive. It's easily replaced. And I have a friend, um, Margie Schultz, and she's a potter. And it's a wonderful thing when you go to a potter's a studio and you just see they throw this lump of clay on, on the wheel and they begin to mold it with their hands. And I don't know if you've ever tried before, but my, my vases always came out a little bit wonky and never symmetrical and perfect. And the skill of the potter is that they can take that lump of clay and simply by the forming of their hands make an most, most amazing whatever it is, vase or jug or whatever, out of the clay. But for me the wonder of, of this scripture is simply this is that there's nothing that's too much trouble for the potter. I mean, because clay is cheap, you can easily replace things that are broken easily. But the potter takes time and nothing is too much trouble for the potter to refashion and to reshape and to do it again and again and again until it's absolutely perfect and formed exactly as he wants it to be. That's the wonder of that scripture for me. And nothing is too much bother for God. You know, after the fall he could have wiped out Adam and Eve, he could have started again with another couple, absolutely perfect. He could have done that. Why didn't he do that? Well, I think this, if Adam and, and Eve had successfully resisted the devil and passed from innocence to perfection, they would have been great, but they didn't. But because God is God, and because he wanted to show something absolutely infinitely more wonderful, instead of throwing the vessels away, he, just started, he, he, he had a plan, and his plan in, in, of redemption involves this, that in the end, we would become something far greater than we could ever have been if we were not part of a fallen race. Because the wonder of what God does is that He takes marred, broken things and He refashions them into perfection. That's that's the wonder of what God does with our lives. And we pass from guilt and sin through the redemption, through the blood of Jesus, into holiness and perfection. And He does it with broken, marred vessels. He does it... I'm so glad he's, he's so patient with me. He tries, he, he, he's happy to do it again and again and again. He's gracious. So if you struggle with depression this morning, if you just struggle with any kind of oppression, that should be a great encouragement to you. I want to say take heart because God specializes. His speciality is taking broken things and remaking them sometimes over and over until they become something greater and more magnificent than was possible in any other way. And we can go from strength to strength this year as we are molded by His hands. As we are molded by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Amen. Lastly, we go from strength to strength because God's hands are delivering hands. God's hands are delivering hands. Can you go with me please to Exodus chapter 13? And, Trev, I don't know if you guys want to come and get ready. We're going to worship after this last point. Exodus 13, verse 3 to 10. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib you are going out, and when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites... And the Hevats, which he swore to you, your fathers to give, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep the service in the month. And verse nine says, "And it shall be to your sign on your hand and a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord of the Lord, that, sorry, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt, by a strong hand." We can go from strength to strength because God's hands are delivering hands. God gave Moses these instructions about keeping the Passover, and He said, Celebrate them as a memorial to celebrate your coming out of slavery. He had heard the people's cries. He had heard that they cried out to Him. And so He sends Moses as their deliverer to lead them out of Egypt. But the key, the key to the deliverance that God wanted to bring was that the blood of a perfect slain lamb needed to be painted on the doorposts and the lintels in an act of faith the night before. That was the key. And God wanted to see deliverance come for all through the blood of a perfect slain lamb. And all of that is fulfilled in Jesus for us. And I felt as I was preparing three areas that God wanted to bring freedom in. The first thing about the Passover was that there, there, was, there was freedom from sickness. First, why? Because the plague hit the firstborn of every family in the land, but the blood of the Lamb protected the Israelites. And I felt this morning that we want to pray for anyone who's sick. Anyone. I don't care if you've got a sniffly nose, you've got a bad back. Whatever it is, God wants to move this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit, and He wants to heal. And we're going to pray with faith that God does that. And secondly, their deliverance was won out of slavery and oppression. And after the devastation of what happened that night, Pharaoh begged the people to leave, and the blood of the Lamb ultimately brought them freedom and deliverance. And the blood of the Lamb brings us freedom and deliverance. And so if there's any this morning, if there's any that need deliverance out of sin, addiction, depression, and anything else that holds us in, a freedom, in, in an evil grip... God wants to bring deliverance this morning to you by the power of the Holy Spirit that is resident here in us. And we're going to pray for you. Amen? Amen. And thirdly, the blood of the Lamb signified a deliverance into a new life. Into a new life. And the Israelites left the old, they left Egypt, and they went for a period into the wilderness, and it was difficult in the wilderness. And they had to go through many challenges in the wilderness. But at the same time, in the wilderness, there was supernatural provision from God for the time that they were in the, in the wilderness. And I want to say to you, it's the same for us. We come to Christ, we begin a new journey for Him, with Him, and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's difficult, but there's always God's supernatural provision for us as we walk with Him. And I want to say to you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you've never come out of Egypt You've never come out of darkness into light. We're going to give opportunity. As we worship together, we're going to pray. We're going to ask you to respond. Jesus is here by the power of His Spirit. He wants to bring freedom and liberty to all of us this morning. And we can go confidently into this year because we are in His hand. His delivering hand, His molding hand, His redeeming hand, His forgiving hand, His overshadowing hand. And he's here by the power of the Holy Spirit to come and work in us. Why don't you stand with me?